Hi, and welcome to the Internet Marketing Show that gives you, amongst other things, simple, proven, and practical steps to build your very own successful online business. Here's your host, the village marketer himself, Peter Beckenham. Hello, and welcome to episode 151. This is Peter Beckenham, the village marketer, and today I've got something pretty darn special for you and something different. You see, in this day and age of the coronavirus and the fears and uncertainties that are going around with that, many people for the first time in their lives are actually being forced to work from home. And that could very well be a permanent situation. And what I decided to do is get with an old mate of mine, an Aussie mate, okay? His name's James Michael. And James is an expert in sales psychology and in sales recruitment. And we decided to chew the fat about sales in particular. And so people could see a way forward, both during this current crisis and following it when the current crisis is resolved. I hope you find it helpful and I hope you really enjoy the things we tried to share with you. So without any further ado, let's move over to the interview we had together. Alrighty, so folks, I've got a real treat in store for you today, and thanks for tuning in. Um, well, allow me to present to you, those of you who haven't met him before, Mr. Peter Beckenham. Peter and I go back a long, 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 long way. Um, in fact, so far back that it's actually last century. And, Absolutely. <laughs> and, and Pete was, without any shadow of a doubt, post my military career, my very first and very best mentor. So um, he was my state sales manager. I was a local sales manager. Um, and what, what Pete didn't know about selling, even back then, probably wasn't worth knowing. And subsequently today, Pete specializes in working with salespeople and helping them to absolutely and utterly sharpen their saw. And I'm gonna get Pete to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, but you know, he and I were chatting just recently and we kind of figured, now more than ever, we probably need to have a conversation and share with you as much goodness as we possibly can about you know, the selling thing. We're not intending to be instructive here today or anything like that. We're just gonna kind of shoot the breeze to some degree. Um, and, and then you know, we, we'll, we'll talk to you about something that we're thinking of putting together that hopefully might help some of you that are interested. But with that as an intro, Mr. Beckham. Hello there, Mr. Mitt. How are you, James? Nice to talk to you. You, mate. Um, in these, how would you call it, uncertain, worrying, scary times, what my major concern is, is for people to give up. Yeah. Okay. And in fact, and I'm, and I'm not. I appreciate the fact that that people have lost loved ones, and I mean. I mean, look at me, I'm 75 years of age this year with heart disease. I am a prime bloody candidate for this thing, right? But I'm not giving up, Good. okay? Good. I want people to, to adopt a positive mindset and to accept this situation now when they're staying at home as an opportunity to improve their position in the future because we'll get through this. Absolutely. We'll get through this, all right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you know, I was talking with somebody a little bit earlier this morning and I, and I used those two analogies, one of the fact that diamonds are created under extreme pressure. Out of that pressure comes, you know, that beautiful gem called a diamond. And similarly, you know, steel 
is forged in absolutely intense heat. And so there really is an opportunity at this point in time for so many of us to come out of here in a much, much better position than we've gone into it. You know, and I think this probably gives us a whole heap of us pause to reflect and think about, okay, what, is, what does this mean for me? And how can I actually turn this in some way into something that gives me a good outcome? So, yeah. to, Pete, to talk us through, if you will, your philosophy of, of sales. I mean, we got three days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, James, what's important is this. The biggest problem with sales is the word sales. Right. Be because of the mindset that it creates in people and, and totally justifiably because people have been stung and scammed by so many people. Yeah. I mean, in this day and age, right, people are not just uncertain, but they're truly sceptical. Okay, so my my thoughts about sales is this: you should never approach the sales situation with a sale in mind. This might sound counterintuitive, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to give a message. Yeah. You will be far more successful if you adopt an approach of helping people to come to the right decision to solve the problem that they have, which may or may not be with you. Mm -hmm. Okay, but the very fact of taking them through that process will create your credibility, position you as an authority, as someone who can be trusted, and whether they do business with you or not, because of the experience of working with you that way, I can tell you they'll be a fantastic source of reference for you. Right. Okay, so with all that in mind, here are some thoughts I've got in terms of, let's call it sales psychology or philosophy, whatever you want to call it, James, okay? Mm -hmm. The first thing is, this is a thing that uh, in terms of, I'm talking now to people who are going to revisit in their mind the thought about being involved in sales. Mm -hmm. Because if you are, if you, if your mindset is negative on sales, then I can't help you, okay? If you are open to the opportunity of approaching sales from a helping, caring, empathetic mindset, I can help you and so can James, mm -hmm. all right? So I want to put that proviso in there to start with. Now, with that in mind, here are some things that I think you sh that you need to be very clear about. First of all, stop being so darn over-enthusiastic. Or if you haven't been in sales yet, don't even try to be over-enthusiastic. That comes across as fake and it's, and it's ridiculous, right? You need to be genuine, you need to be authentic, and you need to be transparent. Mm -hmm. Secondly, people don't want you. Really, they don't want you to pitch them, okay? What they want is help. What they want is for you to sit and listen to them, but they'll only listen to you if you follow this, these four simple steps, okay? And they all start with E. One is to empathize. In other words, you've got to empathize with people. As I mentioned before, you need to show some sort of care and help and assistance to people. And more importantly, they have to sense it. Empathize. The second one, once you've empathized with them, you can then engage with them. Because once you've built empathy, and people talk about that as rapport, right? But really, it's empathy in these days and ages. You've got to be empathy. 
then you can engage with them. But when you engage with them using a range of questions that help identify what the real problem with the potential client is, then you can educate them. And when you educate them, you show them, you take them down a situation whereby they can really identify, is this really what my problem is? Is it really my problem or is it just part of it? And a good salesperson, I'm going to use that word deliberately, right? Mm -hmm. I could call it marketer, I could call it a collaborator, what do you want to call it? But a good salesperson will actually get the actual potential client to really open up and they'll dig deeper and deeper and deeper to finally identify what is the major issue with that person and why is it so important to them? And thirdly, what have they done up until now to try and fix it? And finally, how important is it to you? Is it important to you? If it's not important to you, then we're not going to do any business anyway, or I can't help you. So, so far we've got empathize. Second one, engage. Third one, educate. And the fourth one is the critic, most critical one of all, because it's not the sales pitch. It's not the close. Mm -hmm. okay? That's all part of traditional settlings. It's called empowerment, where you empower your potential client to make the right buying decision for themselves. And what you've done is guided them through this process. Can you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. It resonates so much for me because, um, you know, you, you know, I've been kind of fascinated with this thing called the psychology of selling, you know, for, forever and a day. And I, I kicked off my recruitment business um, two years and three months ago. I just happened to look at that number this morning. Um, and, you know, have, have built an incredibly clever mousetrap. And it's kind of, there's a diagram behind me that kind of works its way through how clever my mousetrap is. And, you know, I, I, I'm incredibly proud of how we go about doing what we do, but our clients are not in the slightest bit interested in our mousetrap, right? And, and it took me a while to learn that. And as a consequence, once I changed focus around, rather than me selling our service, me solving their problem, and once I spent much, much, much more time getting an understanding of, albeit in generic terms, what their problem was that they would perhaps want us to solve, that made all the difference in the world. And so now, instead of talking about the mousetrap, I very much talk about, right? And so Justified Talent um, specializes in helping small business owners recruit their first sales profession. That's what we do. But the problem that we solve is the fear and the concern that business owners often have about getting it wrong, right? When you're in a small business and you bring a salesperson on board, getting that wrong can be so expensive, so catastrophic, right? And so there's the nervousness that they often have around bringing that person on, should I, shouldn't I, will I, won't I, what do I pay them, how do I pay them, how do I manage them, all that kind of thing. And that's the conversation that we have now and, and that has made all the difference in the world for us. So, yeah, completely and utterly resonate. By the way, James, when people are like that, I'm talking about like from a small business perspective, if they are thinking that way, they don't make a decision. Correct. Because they can't. Because it's fear, right? Yeah. It's really fear. But when I go back to, I'm talking now to an individual rather than just a business person, mm -hmm. the same thing applies to you, fear. 
because you're scared of sales. You're scared of the, the, the potential reactions people will give you, including your family. If you tell them you're going to go into sales, they'll probably think, my God, what are you doing, right? Yeah. Or this fear factor, and I'm putting it on the table because I want to be totally transparent because that's the message I want you to do if you're a salesperson. You must be honest, you must be transparent and put everything on the table. Yeah. Let me let me do one other thing. I know you're going to shut me up, James. Sorry. <laughs> there's four. There's another four things right. that that I mean. I mentioned the four E's to you, right? Yeah. Please rem remember that. It, by the way, it takes some work to learn how to do it, but that's key. Yeah. The other one is the four C's. Okay. And this is all part of the sales philosophy and sales psychology. You've got to get your head around. Yeah. And the four C's are these: one connect secondly communicate thirdly converse communicate and converse are not the same thing mm -hmm. right so connect communicate converse a fourth one it's not convince if you think that's what I'm going to say the answer is no I told you before you empower people you don't convince them right the fourth C is to create you create with your potential client the best possible solution for them. Whether it's your product or not, it doesn't really matter. You've mm -hmm. got to think long-term, not short-term. There you go. Yeah. How do you think that translates for salespeople right now in this situation where they're going to be under increasing pressure to get results? And it's now probably that sense of if I don't hit my target, my 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 career is in jeopardy is probably greater today than it was even a month ago. Even, even a week ago. Yeah. Okay. What are your thoughts the answer on is, that long-term thinking given this short-term need to survive? Well, put it this way, James, if you follow a traditional sales approach, you're going to be, you're going to die anyway. In these times it won't work. People won't listen to you. They're, in, they're staying at home. They've got time on their hands. But the last thing they want is someone to pitch them. Yeah. What they want is help. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And they don't want someone to, to interfere with their, their life that is already so much turned upside down by this coronavirus thing. They want someone who they can genuinely trust. So you, you know, if you need to earn in the short term, you need to follow what I'm trying to say to you. Otherwise, you're not going to make any money at all. Right. And you will be surprised. I mean, I'll say this without, without, um, how do you say, it? without sounding too much too blasé. But this last month has been my best month ever. Right. And I'm a sales coach. Mm -hmm. They reach out to me. And then we discuss the options available and whether I'm the right fit or the wrong fit, whatever it is, okay? Mm -hmm. But there's a message in there for everybody. Think about that. Yeah, 100%. Love it. Very good. Um, take us a little bit more in depth, if you would, between the communicate and converse and the difference. When you're communicating with people, what you're doing is you're, and after you've initially connected with them, you, what you're doing is you are, you are trying to get their attention. You've connected with them, but unless you get people's attention, it doesn't matter what you're going to talk about, you're wasting your time. 
okay? So, you know, the key of communication is to get people's attention. The way to get people's attention is to actually involve them in the conversation as quickly as possible. By having something that shocks them, for example, the Gary V's of this world, shock people. That's what gets their attention, right? right. Or you come across it from an empathetic point of view by sharing a story. Do you resonate with this, okay? Is this what your life is like? It's got nothing to do with your product, but it has everything to do with human nature. Does that make sense? Mm. So then the conversation is the critical bit because if you get the conversation right, then you, as I mentioned before, you're digging deeper, you're going through all the various challenges, pains, problems, desires, whatever it is of the potential client, okay? And then at the end, when I said you need to be creative, in other words, you create with them a potential solution, I'll share this with you. If you have done this process correctly, there is no need for you to come up with some sort of fancy closing argument, closing statement, whatever it is, Completely because right. that is last century stuff as well, right? Yeah. It really is. Yeah. What you need to do, if you've, if you've built the rapport, you've built the engagement and you created and with them via a great conversation where they feel comfortable and non-threatened by you, in fact, they, they value you. They truly value the fact that you have helped them identify what their damn problem is. And when they're stuck at home like this under these uncertain times, that's a huge value. Huge value, right? Because you, you are clarifying for them where their future may be. All right? When you've done that, I think the most important thing you need to follow up with that is very simply. When you get to that point, don't worry about trying to come up with a fancy closing statement just use one sentence and the sentence would be something like this. What would you like to do next, James? Very good. Okay. Yeah. Non-threatening, yeah. but let them, and we are empowering them to make the decision. Yeah. So in the short term, James, if you don't follow this approach, you're not going to make any money anyway. You really won't. In fact, you'll, you'll destroy yourself. Yeah. So all I'm suggesting you do is be patient Okay, build your practice. Okay, I'm not talking, you haven't got to wait six months to do it because people will reach out to you. They will reach out to you. They've got the time on their hands to do it right now. You need, actually, if you want to put it another way, you need to earn the right to talk to them. Mm -hmm. And the way to do that is to provide value and value without strings on it. Yeah. For example, I um, mean, I've done 550 Facebook Lives, right? And, and the idea behind that is to help solve, help people understand what an issue is within the sales arena, okay? And, and I'm building my reliability, I'm building my authority, my credibility in doing that. I don't need to sell to them. Correct. Okay, because they're there, okay? And you are the same on LinkedIn, James. They don't, you put in some incredible content on LinkedIn. And for those who haven't seen it, I recommend you go to LinkedIn, look out, look for James' profile because I can tell you he's got some extraordinary content on there that you might find invaluable. Thank you, mate. Thank you. You've just reminded me of somebody from a long, long, long time ago. See if this, this name pops up um, at the front of your memory banks. Do you remember Charles Ephraims? Yes, from Canberra in yeah. Australia, yeah. Yeah. 
So we were at Charles's retirement function and he gave a wonderful speech. And there was one speech in particular, one, one line of that speech in particular that really stood out for me, particularly back then, given that I was a youngster and he was a retiree or you know, about to enter retirement. And that was, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but the quickest way to become an old dog is to stop learning new tricks. And Very smart. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great, great saying. And, you know, what I love, I mean, you just shared this a moment ago, you know, you're 75 years of age. Here you and I are in two, two completely different countries on this modern platform talking about the use of social selling in order to build the no like, trust, respect, peace, in order to then earn the right to have the conversation. A couple of old dogs still learning some new tricks. I, I will never stop learning, James, ever, ever, ever. I mean, I, I've got a whole range of mentors, and to me, well, I'll give you an example. Um, it's my time, 9.30 in the morning here in Thailand, okay, on a Friday morning. And at 3 o'clock this morning, I was up. And the reason I was up is because this sort of tick, 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 you know, because of, I, something triggered me in a, in a webinar I went to a couple of days ago, and I thought about it in the middle of the night, and I had to get up and write it down, otherwise they're going to forget it, right? Mm -hmm. But this happens to me all the time. And, and it's important for me to continue to learn. I need to be at the cutting edge of where I am in terms of this industry. Because one of my missions is to actually change people's mindset when it comes to sales. That's really one of my missions, okay? Yeah. It's, it, is it a challenge? Absolutely, it's a challenge. Yeah. But those people who have been exposed to the way I do that, I mean, I've got people who are the shyest people in the world, truly shy. Yeah. And they've probably got better sales results than many other people on the planet. But they didn't think that they could ever do it. But, but they forgot. Or they, no, they didn't forget. They didn't know. They, didn't, they, they prejudged the whole thing. They didn't know you could help people and make money. That's what it amounts to. Yeah, and, and you know, I think the thing that comes to my mind in that is, is two, 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 two pieces. So what, one's a phrase that you shared with me many, many, many years ago, and that is, I want you to be more interested than interesting. Mm. Right? So it's about having that conversation and, and being genuinely inquiring and, and, and truly, and, you know, if you grab a hold of Stephen Covey stuff, it's about seek first to understand and then to be understood. And I think that's, mm. that's imperative in sales and more so today than ever. Um, but the other piece that comes with it, and another good friend of mine, John Dean, JD, um, you know, he and I were having a conversation about this whole notion of having a fair exchange of value, right? Mm -hmm. when, when, when you think of selling as quite simply creating a fair exchange of value, if I'm going to give something to you that is of genuine value to you, then it's reasonable for me to ask for a return for that, mm. right? Fair exchange of value. And I think, you know, often it's not, as you said, kind of at the beginning of the conversation, you know, the, this perception of what a salesperson is, it's that, you know, um, highly energetic, could talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles, pushy archetype who's only really running on their own agenda. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think there aren't too many of those around anymore, um, but, yeah, if they are, then they probably won't be around for much longer. But James, the problem is this. I mean, 
the days of the used car salesman with the gold chain around their neck and the hill iron shirt, that's what you're referring to, right? Yeah, right. I, I agree. Most of those have disappeared. However, the elements that they had keep appearing with people who are under pressure. Yeah. Because people who are under pressure, they need the money to put food on the table, which you were alluding to earlier, right? In certain extent, right? Yeah. When, when that pressure comes into it, all of a sudden, this whole approach of empathizing and, and engaging and educating and empowering goes out the window because they just need to get a sale, yeah. right? Yeah. And then they wonder why they fail. Yeah. Okay? And which raised me one other thing. And this may be counterintuitive to many people who are watching this as well. And I, I don't want people to think that I'm coming across as some soft-hearted salesperson. I'm not. I'm running a business, right? But I need to show love to people. Mm -hmm. Okay. I really need to show love to people and care. And I want my clients to do the same. So if you're going to be in sales, you've got to, if you, and by the way, that means you've got to love yourself as well. Okay. Yeah. And there could be people watching this and saying, oh, this old guy in Thailand, it's crazy. I mean, it's all rough. But it's not. It's true. Absolutely true. It's really, really true. You've got to approach your client with love, care, and concern. Because when you do that, they will not just see it, they will sense it. It's not the words you use, it's how you say it. It'll all come together because your mindset's in the right place. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Which, which leads me to one last point, and I'll shut up for a minute and let you talk a bit, right? <laughs> and that is, for many people who are in sales, they sometimes try to bend too much, and that's wrong. You need to guide your client. You do not want, you are empowering them, but you're also educating them, and you've got to have the guts. You've got to have the internal fortitude to tell people the truth about what they're saying, yeah. right? Without bringing up your solution, because they, they could be on a complete tangent to where reality is. And in this day and age, that's a real issue. So my point is this. If you feel it in a sales conversation, say it. If you feel it, say it. So, for example, James, if I was talking with you and we were chatting along in our sales conversation and I sensed that you were not engaged or whatever it is, mm -hmm. I would tell you, I'd say, James, woo, let's stop here. This is not important to you. Let's let's clarify this. I mean, I'm I'm trying to be supportive and helpful, but if it's not of interest to you, then let's put it on the on the table. Okay. People don't expect that, no. right? And so that's another way of differentiating yourself. Okay. Oh, I'm going to start another thing called personal branding. I'll stop. I'll stop for a minute. All right. So on that perfect point for me to segue, let let me share with the folks who are watching um, some behavioral science that actually backs up exactly what Peter's just said. Okay, so I'm going to do a screen share and uh, hopefully it'll come up. All right, and on the screen, what everybody hopefully can see here is a, is a bunch of kind of blue squares. Uh, and I'm not going to go into an awful lot of detail about this, but one of the things that uh, we do in our business, part of our clever mousetrap is that we put all of our candidates and we only recruit salespeople. So we put all of our candidates through um, this particular psychometric assessment, right? Um, and and it, it is a, an incredibly powerful assessment. 
as a consequence that, of that, what's happened is, in particular over the last three years, we've been able to discern a benchmark which shows us how the best salespeople behave naturally. Right? And to Peter's point, what's really interesting here is that, so this word here, accommodating, how accommodating are the best salespeople willing to be? Well, as it turns out, not particularly. Right, so somebody who will bend over backwards, who won't challenge their customers, somebody who will cut the price instantly, sometimes they'll even offer a discount before one's even asked for, would live up here in, in what we would call an eight, nine, ten for accommodating. The people who are the most successful and who stand their ground, you know, not arrogantly, not rudely, because that would be down here, but the people who can stand firm on their process and the people who can stand firm on their price and their margin and the people who will ask challenging questions and confront reality are the people who live in three, four, five for accommodating. You know, so what we've been able to identify is that this pattern here is the pattern that seems to correlate with salespeople who are the most successful, particularly in a B2B solution selling um, environment. And so you know, we, we use that to help identify where people are at um, in terms of their own natural behavior. Um, and uh, with some other clients, we also use it to help coach somebody who might be sitting in third quartile consistently. Therefore, we know that they can sell, right? But they're, they're not hitting top quartile consistently. We can help identify in here when it's going to be a behavioral thing as opposed to a skills thing. So, you know, just really reinforcing what Peter has said there. Um, you know, that, that, that ability that if, if it comes up, it comes out. Um, you know, I've absolutely solidly sit behind. By the way, I mean, I don't have the scientific expertise that you have, James. Okay, but interesting. Manageability was in the same level, okay, right. three, four, and five. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that when it comes to salespeople? Yeah, and and you know, often it's not the best salespeople are um, kind of put. They have a label put on them as being unmanageable, as being rogue. What that particular piece is actually discerning is the fact that, um, that, that what they've got in them is a degree of creativity, right? So we often describe ones and twos as rule breakers, threes and fours are rule benders. So around this three, four, five space, what you've got here is somebody who appreciates policies, rules, procedures, and guidelines, but who has the ability to be creative in the moment and come up with an alternative solution. Right, and, and, and rather than being completely and utterly rigid, but no, this is, this is the only way we do it. Um, this is somebody who will be inventive in the moment. Um, I'll give you a really small example. Um, just the other day, my partner and I went to a bedding store to buy a new bed um, to put in one of our guest rooms. And it was literally this week, so you know the, the, the crisis is in full tilt. And I somewhat jokingly said to the lady in the bedding store as we had pointed out both the bed and the mattress we wanted to buy, I said to her, look, if there's any chance whatsoever of a uh, pre-apocalypse price, we would welcome that. And she looked at me stony-faced and wouldn't budge, just wouldn't budge at all. She, she appeared to go into her system to look for something and then came back out and said, no, no sorry, no, it's, it's list price only. You know, so she was up here, right? Mm that was immediately a turnoff for me because I knew that there would be somebody who would be a little bit flexible and maybe it wasn't going to be around reducing price. Maybe it would be, how about I throw in two free pillows with that? 
Mm. Just something as simple as that. But yeah, the manageability of three, four, five is about being creative in the moment whilst also still being appreciative of, you know, the policies, procedures, the rules and all that. Which, which I totally agree with. It's one of my C's, right? Being creative. Yep. The other thing I w interesting to me was the attitude was also three, four and five. Mm. Share me some thoughts about that. Okay. So with the attitude piece, uh, what it's measuring, go back again, um, is um, pessimism and optimism are, are what the instrument is actually uh, measuring on here. And so when you get down the, the one, two, three space, you've got somebody who's deeply, deeply cynical. You come up here, you've got naive Nancy, somebody who wanders around with the rose-coloured glasses on, right? So what we see with the three, four, fives, with the highly effective salespeople, um, they are comfortable with questioning. Um, and they'll question assumptions, they will question agendas. Uh, what they won't do is accept blindly, necessarily, what their prospect is saying to them. Um, you know, if I give you an, an example, in, in real estate, for example, uh, it may well be that the agent you know, who, who's doing a listing presentation wanting to get the vendor to list with them might ask the question, so are you speaking with any other agents? Naive Nancy, anybody who's kind of to the right of five, will hear the vendor say, oh, no, 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 we're not seeing anybody. The 345 archetype doesn't believe that. Now, they won't be rude about it, but they'll ask a few more qualifying questions, right? Mm. And so that three, four, five attitude is about getting a deeper understanding and moving from what I describe as, do I think I know or do I know I know the truth, right? Mm. So that's really, really powerful. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's where the really effective salespeople get down to the genuine heart of the matter and they don't accept superficial responses. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, James, because the vast majority of people in sales right now simply accept the very first answer. Yeah. I mean, they go into with a sales conversation, their sales manager or their sales trainer, whoever it is, has said you need to ask questions, right? So I'm asking James a question, whatever, whatever it may be, okay? And by the way, what you don't ask is what's your biggest problem, right? Anyway, that's another, another story. But as soon as you get an answer, they think, I've just got the solution for you that you need. And they ping immediately. No more discovery process taking place at all. All of a sudden, they're into a sales pitch. Right. right? Yeah. And, and then they think, why isn't this person agreeing? Why isn't they buying? Why are they buying from me? I don't know. This is too hard, this sales stuff, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot right from the word go. <laughs> That's why I said earlier, empathy and love is really important. And in these, these days right now, that's critically important. And you will differentiate yourself as a salesperson if you do that, because people don't expect it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're waiting for the pitch. Yes. And that's, which raises one more point with me, okay? I told you we could talk in three days, okay? One more point with me. Transparency. <clears throat> Transparency is so much, so critical, it's not funny. And it means that you need to share with your potential client exactly how you are intending to go about helping them, if it's possible. But you say to them, I'm not sure whether I can help you. Say that right up front to them. I'm not sure. Let's talk it through. And if, if I can't find a solution for you, I'll go out of my way to find someone who can. That immediately puts, takes the pressure off the client, off the potential client, right? 
because you've been not only transparent, but you have differentiated yourself automatically from nearly everybody else. Because I don't expect that either. Absolutely right. Okay. So, mate, in, in closing, because I'm just conscious of how much time we're asking people to spend with us. Sure. Way back, way back when, you know, I was taught that when it comes to sales, people or buying, people buy either to make a gain or avoid a pain. Yeah, that, that was that classic kind of phraseology. I, I, and I, to a large degree, I don't think that has changed all that much. Um, but I, I would suggest that today, the subtle nuance of that, particularly in the B2B space, would be if, if your proposition is going to help me reduce my costs right now, or if your proposition is going to help me generate more income right now, I'm listening. Yeah, generate more income, reduce costs to increase market share. Beautiful. Okay? They're the three. Yeah. They're the three. And a good salesperson, by the way, a business owner shouldn't fool themselves. They need to be able to sell. In yeah. this day and age, everybody needs to be able to sell. And stop getting hung up about this word sales. That's what I, my point is too. Mm. Mate, thank you so much for investing your time with me and with whoever might be watching. In the, in the moments ahead. I really, really appreciate it. Let, let's keep touching base and we might continue dropping some nuggets of gold for people. Obviously, anybody who's watching this or listening to this um, on whatever platform, if you want to engage either Peter or I in terms of asking some questions, um, I, you know, I, I can tell you both he and I will be more than willing to give you a response. Um, yeah, whatever platform is, no doubt there's going to be a comment section just down there somewhere. So, you know, make a comment, ask some questions. Uh, we're more than happy to, to uh, respond to those. You know, you know, one of the things both Peter, Peter and I, and I think it's why we resonated so much when we first got to work with each other was, you know, he's, he's talked about the empathy and love. Both he and I are deeply passionate about helping anybody we work with to be successful. I would say right now that probably sits even more heavier on, on both our hearts. You know, a lot of people are struggling out there. A lot of people are nervous out there. And if there's anything at all that both Peter and I or either of us can do to help you get through this period of time, we'd love to have that conversation with you. And I'm easy to find. Just Google me, Peter Beckenham. Just Google me. You'll yeah. find, I mean, there'd be probably a thousand pages. There's one other Peter Beckenham in the world. I think he's a reverend in, in the UK, but there's a thousand plus. Okay. Do not Google me because you'll get page after page after page of a rock star whose name is James, James Michael. No relationship to George Michael. But right. you will find me on LinkedIn and you will find me on Facebook. Okay. All right, folks, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Thanks so much for listening to the Internet Marketing Gunner Show with your host, the village marketer himself, Peter Beckenham. For more great content, go online, peterbeckenham.com. We'll catch you next time.